for the Schmodown Rundown. Introducing first, Frankie Stan Janet, and the host of the Schmodown Rundown, Brad Gilmore. What's up, movie trivia Schmodown fans? Welcome to the Schmodown Rundown, the official episode of the movie trivia Schmodown. My name is Brad Gilmore, but you might know me by another name. You might know me as the return of the hat, the boat, hashtag best of all time, hashtag Brad's Penny True, hashtag boat life, hashtag I'm on a boat, and Frank Janice, the only reason I've been without the hat for so long is I didn't know where I put it, and it happened to be behind this backdrop, and I found it today. Uh, welcome into the, the man who's been on secret missions and marathons. His name is Frank Janish in Chicago, Illinois. Frank, um, more exciting, the Star Wars marathon or the spectacular? How dare you? How dare you make make me make a decision on that? Uh, more excited? No, I'm not doing this game. I'm not playing this one. I, I'm not. I'm just not. Look. All right, uh, all right, yeah, all right. Start- new, new game, new game, new game. Yeah. Mary F. Kill, Christian Harloff, Dagnino, Kaiser. Okay, I would uh, marry Kaiser. Really? Mary Kaiser. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would, uh, I would F... Dagnino, and then, yeah, I kill Christian. You kill Christian, oh, wow. Yeah, because I want to take over the showdown. Don't you oh, know? okay, I see. There's there's an ulterior motive there. Okay, well, I appreciate your honesty in that. <laughs> hey, guys, w- welcome back to the show. Um, we had a, a, a double-stacked show for you last week. We had an hour-and-a-half breakdown of the showdown Spectacular in totality. And then after the uh, show aired to the public on the SEN YouTube channel on Tuesday... We also dropped a special 45-minute interview with Ben the Boss Bateman. We're trying to get that extra content in before the Christmas and New Year's breaks. Um, we're going to have a show in between those holidays, but we just want to get some extra stuff out there. And Frank Janice, let's talk about it real quick, man. Uh, you and I held it down for about, I think it was like 47 minutes is how long the pre-show was. What did you think? Did you watch any of it? That seemed, Yeah, I did. 47 minutes? That seems, that seems too long. That's mm-hmm. like... 40 minutes too long, I think, but uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I mean, your stuff was good. Um, your stuff was good too, Janice. You didn't just, like your stuff? I just watched your stuff. I don't know. I didn't watch it. Uh, I didn't want to know. So I just watched your stuff. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I will say that you, you did great as well. I was like, look at Janish. You know, hosting, holding the microphone, doing it the right way. Uh, <laughs> it was good. It was good, man. Um so we're talking today, though, about uh, – hold on. Someone texted me saying they're so upset. Um, we're talking today about the draft, the uh, the Schmodown draft that's going to be going down January the 11th live from the world-famous comedy store, which Frank Janish, you talk about hosting. You and I are going to be doing something at the draft. I'm not, like, super yeah. clear as to what, but I think that we're going to be, like, the draft experts. We'll find out, like, five minutes beforehand, and that's plenty of time to prep. So, you know, we'll be good to It go. definitely is. Well, well, you know, there's all these comparisons from Schmodown to wrestling, and every time I, I go to a live event, like, I'm reminded of that. Yeah. Because wrestling, it's like, literally, you show up to the building, and it's like, hey, does anybody know what I'm doing today? Oh, no, 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 we'll figure it out. Cool, 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 cool. And then, like, the it TV opens- taping starts at 6, exactly. and it's like 5.30. It's like, hey, uh, so any, like, clarification on what exactly you need? Uh, Give me a couple more minutes, I'll figure it out. Oh, all right, cool, 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 cool. And then, like you said, it's like five minutes before. Hey, say this, 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 and this. All right, man, got it. Cool, cool, cool. Let's run. And then that's somewhat uh, how the Schmodown Live runs. I mean, actually, I will say there's a better outline than any wrestling show I've ever been a part of for the Schmodown Live. I mean, at least I know the order of events. I just don't always yeah. know specifically what I need to be doing. But I, I, we figure What's it out, required? Frank. Yeah, oh, we, yeah, yeah, we figure I mean, it really, out. It's really – I think, you know, we, we, we've been doing it for a little bit, so we can kind of figure out what's needed. It's not like a huge, like we're running with our, our heads cut off. It's not no. one of those deals. Yeah, I mean, we know our roles enough to, uh, to right. figure it out. And so we're going to figure it out come draft day. But what I find interesting, Frank Janish, is there's another show on this network, on SEN, called Schmodown Backstage. And from time to time, Christian breaks some big news on the show. And there were a couple huge pieces of news that went down. And I think the first one we should address before we get to the draft is the undercard for the New York Live event has been announced. 
And it happens to tie in with the Houston Live event that went down earlier this year, which was Ben Bateman, when he won that match, he got the ability to pick Andrew Guy's next singles opponent. And he went throughout almost the entire season without cashing it in. And before year uh, 2019 comes to a close, he made the announcement on the Schmodown Backstage show where he says that Andrew Guy's next opponent is going to be Robert Meyer Burnett. And they're going to be going one-on-one. Andrew Guy versus Robert Meyer Burnett. The grudge match of all grudge matches is going to be going down in January in Brooklyn. Frank Janish, your immediate reaction. I like the matchup. I like it a lot. Uh, but then my mom also... Uh, how, this, how does this work in terms of the point system and... and we have managers playing, but before I get into any of that, I do like this matchup because at the end of Spectacular, or towards the end of Spectacular, we had that video from Andrew Guy, and now he's, you know, he's dealt with Ben Bateman, he's dealt with the Horseman last year, uh, beat Who's the Boss and all that. Yeah, he suffered a loss to Ben in Houston, but before that, Andrew Guy and Drew McWeeny, they took down Ben Bateman and Tom Dagnino. It's been a whole thing, so he kind of has squashed that uh, in a sense. But now he's turned his sights on Robert Meyer Burnett, and he's out. He's out to get. He's out to get him. So I like that this is the the first match uh, in in Andrew Guy's quest to eradicate Robert Meyer Burnett, if you will. I also think it's interesting that that Ben Bateman decided to do this because he says, "Look, if if Andrew Guy loses this match, I don't ever have to worry about the guy again because he loses to Robert Meyer Burnett." You saw how he played against Tom Dagnino. I mean, so. With that said, I still don't think Andrew Guy is going to lose to Robert Meyer Burnett at all, which, you know, plenty of people said, I don't think Dan Merle's going to lose to Andrew Guy. So who knows what the hell is going to happen in New York uh, for that match. But if I'm a betting man, uh, I would obviously bet on Andrew Guy. So uh, that's kind of where I stand on it. And I, I'm looking forward to uh, Robert Meyer Burnett going on with, you know, uh, you know, Mikeless. 30-minute well, rants. That's with what the I was going to say. Is, cut is out. How smart is it to allow Robert yeah. Meyer Burnett a stage with microphones in front of people? I don't know how, how smart of a choice is it. Don't give him a microphone. We're in a smaller space. He, he's not even going to need one. Actually, at that point, a microphone for Robert Meyer Burnett in that theater, the one in Brooklyn that we started last year with, uh, that's overkill to give him a mic at this point. If you oh, ask man. Me. What a great theater. I, I love, love that place. Theater. I yeah. think that, you know, obviously, you know, the, the Texas City uh, World Gym Arena is, is like my home court. But out of all the other places, I really, really like that arena in Brooklyn a whole lot, man. It was a really dope theater. Um, I, yeah, I, here's my question, though. Is, okay, is Ben Bateman a face? No. He's not a face. I don't think so. He's not a fan favorite. He's yeah, not a good I mean, guy. He has, like, tendencies where he's paying like respect to all his players and but then you see him in matches i don't know well because is he well i guess would you judge how does he act towards other faces is he kind of like well i don't know i mean it's just it's just typically okay but you can be a face and like go after the bad guy and kind of have some sort of heel tendencies yeah, some sometimes but if you're a face and you're again playing another face character are you still pulling those same heel tendencies? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, sometimes in wrestling, like we say this thing, like if I'm a commentator, I don't need to know if you're a heel or babyface before the match because when you come out, I should be able to tell in about 10 seconds like exactly which one you are, right? Um, and, I, and, and, and when you apply that rule to the schmodown, it gets a little bit more complicated because there's so many kind of like on-the-fence tweener kind of people. Like, yes. for instance, Paul Preston and the uh, 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 movie guys are, are supposed to be heels, but also I find myself rooting for them, which I shouldn't if they're supposed to be heels, right? Right. Looney right. Ben, same thing. You find yourself rooting for them when it's like I'm not super clear on which way they're supposed to be. And I guess Ben Bateman and Andrew Guy now uh, inhabit the same kind of place in the movie trivia Schmodown. I don't know if Ben Bateman's a good guy. I like Ben Bateman. Yeah. But do I? 
you know, I don't know. I don't know if I like Ben Bateman. Like, I like Ben Bateman. That, I don't know if I like Ben Bateman. And the same thing with Andrew Guy. Like, Andrew Guy I like. And then when you see his promo at the Spectacular, you're like, oh, he just turned. But then I'm not sure if he turned. Because now, and then I'm thinking, all right, well, what's Ben's motivation if they're both faces? Normally when two faces turn face, they both face up together. And, and they're cool. So I just, I'm like see, a little confused. The thing, the thing with like heels in the league is like, like, right. You're supposed to like hate those characters. Um, the only characters I've really ever truly hated was the characters of Andrew guy as a, as a heel. Obviously I really hated that character, but it was like a love hate. You know, I love to hate that guy. Like, right. Damn. He's so good as a heel, but man, I fucking hate him. And same thing with Kalinowski. He was more frustrating and more than anything. And I kind of like hated that he frustrated me. So it was a different type of heel. And when you look at movie guys, for example, that you brought up, they're very kind of like douchebaggery kind of stuff, which right. I find funny. So now I'm kind of endeared to that. So it's hard for me to see them as uh, a full-on type of heel character when I find I don't. But I guess technically they are. But I, well, it's I like Kevin Smith. Point. Yeah. Like where's Kevin Smith? Yeah. I don't know. And I, I think that either. I think that. And here's the thing, is as the Schmodown becomes more sport than wrestling, right, especially with the draft, like the Golden State Warriors for the last five years have been the biggest heels in the world to me and to pretty much every other person outside of Golden State. But in Golden State, they're the biggest faces of all time. Right. Right. And so I think that that's what we're going to see with teams. People are going to be rooting for favorite teams, and it's not necessarily individuals who are going to be good or bad. It's going to be what's the storyline for the team? What's the rap on the team? Oh, they have all, like, right now, the Finstock Exchange, for all intents and purposes, should be hated by every other team in the league. So if you're supporting the Fife Club or right. the, uh, um, you know, what are usual suspects or what have you, or the rock stars, you should not like. Uh, the the Finstock Exchange for the amount of talent right, they're they like, have. The, they're the Miami Heat, you know, like the twenty was it twenty ten when they put no, together. Man, they, they're they're the Warriors. They're for sure the Warriors with Kate. Well, I mean, in terms of like they were they're together and they're like mm-hmm. everyone hates them. Right. Like the Warriors, a different story because that was all drafted and blah blah blah, and they and right. they became what they became. Whereas the Heat, they were pieced together from across the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and and also Pat Riley. It's like. Right. Tom Dagnino is Pat Riley. It's <laughs> just somehow he, he makes things happen, you know. Um, but what I also want to say is I'm kind of beyond the point of is this person a face? Is this person heel? Either I like rooting for you or I don't like rooting for you. And that's how I'm going to look at it um, just because of all the the nuances and like the just is this all the people – because a lot of people I find personally are in between. They play both sides depending on who they're going after. And it's just like, I, I, I'm kind of tired of trying to figure out who's an actual heel, who's an actual face. I'm just like, I like rooting for you because of how you portray yourself. And if it, that has some quote-unquote dark, dark side qualities, if you will, uh, then so be it. But I just like rooting for you. So I, I don't know my root. Because evil is from a certain point of view. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, I mean, I, I get it. And, that, and that's kind of why I brought it up. And I think that going into next season, we're going to be seeing more of just team loyalty, brand loyalty, right? Um, um, it's almost like when, to go back to wrestling terms, it's almost like when WCW and ECW invaded the WWE. Suddenly, if you were a WWE guy, you were automatically rooted, you know, cheered for if you were a fan of the WWE. You know what I mean? By the crowd. But if you were a WCW person or an ECW person, you know what I mean? Like there was just a, a team mentality about everything. And it didn't matter if while you were on the roster, you were a face or a heel, the fans cheered for you according to which team they liked the most. I hope that that makes sense to the people at home because I didn't mean to expl- over explain that at all. Now, the other thing, as I look out my window and see multiple police cars pulling up to my neighbor's house, that's concerning. Um, mm. it, <laughs> I don't know what's going on out there. It's for, did we say something wrong about heels? I don't know. Like I'm, 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 I'm worried that they're going to come knock on yeah. my door and, and stop the broadcast. Um, I, I'm sorry. I got distracted. The other thing that we have to talk about, though, is this draft. Now, on, on the Schmodown Backstage show, Christian Harloff had Ben Bateman. He had 
Brianne Chandler, and he had Sam Levine. Sam Levine was, of course, revealed to be the 10th manager at the Schmodown Spectacular. And the main purpose of the show was two things. They were going to announce everybody who was in the draft pool, which, by the way, it is an extensive list of names. I mean, I'm talking about 160 names or something like that, 180. Right. How you and I are on there, I don't know if there's that many people. I mean, I, come on, man. Give me we a break. We could have just been on the list just for fun. Like, like, just put me in the pool so you can claim <laughs> right. me on the waiver just, wire if you need to. Exactly. Um, but the uh, that was one part that they needed to do is, is announce the names who were going to be in the draft. But the more important thing was to announce the order. Now, we knew a couple things going into it. We knew that no matter where Bobby Gucci, a.k.a. Tom Dagnino, a.k.a. Finstock, was in the order, he wouldn't be going until the fifth round because he's keeping Ben Bateman, which with Ben Bateman – being a part of who's the boss there, a protected team, and he's keeping the founding fathers. That's four picks, so his first four rounds are completely filled up, so he's not going to the fifth round, and we also know that he can switch picks with either Emma or Kaiser. So those are two things to right. remember going into it. And, of course, Kaiser, having one with Kevin Smets, was obviously going to keep Kevin Smets. Um, at least I'm assuming that he's keeping Kevin Smets. Therefore, he wouldn't be going into the following round either. Okay. So with that in mind, Christian began to reveal the draft order, and just as uh, Winston Marshall got the number one overall pick in the 2020 Schmodown draft, that pick went away rather quick because as we started going down the line, you could tell, oh, it looked like you know Roxy Stryer was going to get the last pick for the Rock Stars, and then Christian Harloff realized during a live broadcast. That he didn't put her name in the hat. <laughs> conspiracy. And it's a conspiracy. I no, it's not a conspiracy. <laughs> it's not a digital it's wheel. Not, but it is. But it's yeah. it it was hilarious. Like I know he felt like the biggest yeah. dope, and we've all been there before. But I was watching it live, and when he was like, oh, and he paused, I was like, oh my god, he forgot somebody. He forgot. He forgot Roxy. He forgot that, and then you know he reveals that he forgot Roxy, and he had his glasses on. So I don't know what his excuse really is, other than he just forgot. So they had to redo the entire draft order. Now I do remember it was like Winston one, Shannon two, Sam three. Yeah. That's what I remember. And then it changed. Uh, I think I got it somewhere actually. Hold on. It's uh, let's see when I got it. It's actually so yeah. Um, number one was Winston. Number two. Uh, hold on a second here. Was Shannon number uh, three? Was Sam Levine number four? Was Kaiser five? Was Coy six? Was Jay seven? Was Emma eight? Was Dagnino? And I think that's when they realized. Something. Wait a minute. There's only one more name in here, <laughs> and it's Robert Meyer Burnett, and we haven't talked about Roxy. So right. Yeah. So that so that was the original order, and then they redrafted. The order re came out, and this is what it was. It was Sam Levine. Number one for the usual suspects, uh, Jay Washington for heroes and villains. It was Roxy Stryer for the rock stars. It is Coy Jondrew for now he's the mouth, mouthy Mercs, right? Yeah, the mouthy oh, Mercs. I yeah. just want to make sure I got it right. Kaiser for the dungeon, Dagnino for the Finstock Exchange, and number seven was Shannon for corruption. Eight was Winston for swag. And number nine was Emma for the Five Club. And, of course, number 10 was Robert Meyer Burnett for the uh, uh, Burning Droogs. And those were your yeah. one through ten. That was the order. So, once again, we knew that Dagnino was not going to go in the first round. And Kaiser actually got the number five pick. So, he's going to pick before Dagnino. He's not going to go in the first round. But Dagnino now has that pick swip where he can move up in the draft and just switch. one spot, though. Just one spot, but one spot can determine a lot. And I'm going to get into Good. why I think that is. So what Frank and I both did is we wrote out the 10 you know, managers in their order. And then we both tried to hypothesize on how the first round of the draft will go. So, Frank, should you go first or you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. You'll go first? Okay, so this is going to be Frank Janish's. Yeah. You know, predicted order. Now, I will say this with the caveat. With Frank going first, his draft order is probably going to be closer to what actually happens. The boat's draft order is what he would like to see happen. So, Frank, uh, I'm, I'm going to throw yeah. it to you first. Okay, so with the first pick, 
Winston Marshall is picking. Oh, no, Sam Levine. Sam Levine. Sam Levine. I'm so sorry about that. Jeez. Yeah, just uh, That's so right. They had to do it over again. That's right. Boy. All right, so Sam Levine, the first pick. I have him predictably, unpredictably, predictably, taking the family at number one overall. Mm. Guini, guys, that's his first two rounds locked up between Drew McQueenie and your guy. I like now, that now, because... His first two rounds are locked yeah. up. Just explain. His first two rounds are going to be locked up because the family is a protected team. So when you take one member of the team, team, both of them come. Right. Top five protected team. So you have to take both. And I like this because it would reunite above the line in a sense with obviously Sam, Sam Levine and, and Drew McQueenie. And Sam Levine could hopefully, you know, get a belt for Drew, you know, because Sam retired and Drew had to relinquish it. So I do it for that purpose. However, I actually would like it if Sam did not draft the family. I think it would make it for a little more interesting year in terms of storyline. But I think with Sam now having the number one pick, it kind of almost forces him in a way for, for that situation to happen. Because if he doesn't, Poor Linus Babcock out there. I don't know what he's going to do. Um, he's Where is really Linus? mad at Sam. I don't know. I think he's off doing school and and stuff. So um, good for him, though. Long showers. You know, stay in school. Stay in school. Don't do drugs. All that. Um, so I, I would be really surprised if Sam Sam Levine did not pick the family as, as his number one pick and second pick. Um, also because the family is going to be having – uh, has a pretty short road in terms of a team title shot, it's which true. is something that, you know, obviously you want to win as a manager for your team. And obviously for Sam to get Jim McMeanie back to a spot as a title holder, that would be pretty um, pretty poetic in a sense. Okay. Now, um, do, now, do you want to go ahead to your number two or you want me to give you my number one? You go to number one. Should we yeah. do this like the top ten does their show? Okay. Oh, yeah. Mine, which is still confusing to me. No no offense, Roger. Um <laughs> My number one pick, so and when I'm thinking about Sam Levine, this is what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about, I am a manager now. I'm a coach of this team. I want to have a winning team, and I want to pick somebody who I know is going to play plenty of matches and have the highest likelihood of winning them. And when I say plenty of matches, I just don't mean in singles. I mean singles and teams. I want somebody who can play in both, in at least both those divisions and is going to be playing frequently in both of those divisions. And when you think of a player who plays frequently and likes to play often and does so in both singles and teams, I believe that Sam Levine, if he were smart, which I'm not saying that he isn't, but I'm not saying that he is either, if he were smart, the number one overall pick in the first ever, the inaugural 2020 Schmodown draft would be William the Beast Bibiani. This is a yeah. guy who had a banner year for himself. You know, back-to-back MVP in the free-for-all was a question away from beating Dan Merle in that event. He beat Roca and Ethan Irwin in a triple threat match. Oh, there goes my uh, gimmick over there. He beat Roca and Merle in a triple threat match. He went on a fantastic run in the Ultimate Schmodown Tournament, almost winning the whole thing, almost winning the team's tournament with his newly formed team of Shazam. And let's not forget, he had a championship opportunity at those team titles earlier in the year uh, against the Shire Wolves with critically acclaimed. This is a guy who is a well-rounded player. And if you look at statistics, if you look at knowledge uh, and, and somebody who's going to be available on that draft board, I think it would be foolish to not pick William the Beast Bibiani. Therefore, you get Brendan the Kid Minor. Minor? Minor? Same thing. <laughs> uh, Brendan, I guess that's the same yeah. thing. You get Brendan the Kid Meyer, a.k.a. the fine, young, tenderoni, on your team, and uh, your, your one and two is locked up. And here's the thing for you, Jets. I think I get his allegiance. I get his allegiance to his guy, uh, Drew McQueenie, but... Yeah. Who do you get more use out of? Drew McQueenie has almost exclusively competed in, in teams. I mean, I feel like he's only been in teams. Uh, whether it be, what was it? Hide the, it's not hide the cannoli. What was it? Where's the cannoli? Take the cannoli. Take the cannoli. I'm sorry. Have you seen the movie, you know, where they take the cannoli, but they leave the gun, you know? Hide the cannoli oh, is a whole different thing, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, that's... <laughs> um... <laughs> 
<laughs> Did not on. mean to say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. But uh, he's been mainly a team guy. And if and, and then when you think about Andrew Guy, it's like, yeah, sure, he's this magnetic personality within the movie Jewish Modown. But outside of the family, he hadn't had the greatest year in singles and, and, and a somewhat embarrassing loss in Houston where Ben Bateman spun again on Spinner's Choice just to make the match more interesting. Um, so I, I think that you get more run out of Shazam as your number one pick. So I Bibiani, that is. Yes, I would 100% agree with everything you said. That's why I kind of don't want Sam to to take the family for that reason because I think Shazam is a better package overall because both Brendan Meyer and William Bibiani play in teams, play in, the, in singles at high levels. Drew McQueenie, very one of the best team players of all time. Also a very... He's a solid singles player. He's had luck in singles division play, but that can that can always turn on a dime for you. I mean, look at Bibiani. He was having bad luck all the time, and then before you know it, he had the title, and then he had another shot this year at Spectacular and all that stuff, right? Had a great tournament run. So it can turn around for you real quick, and I think that's certainly very, very possible for Drew McQueenie. When you look at Andrew Guy, he is a great teammate. Um, he's a great number two for you uh, if he's on your team. He's not going to be the guy that kind of that leads the charge, if you will, but he's a solid team player, and that doesn't translate well to consistent singles play. However, this scenario could work out for Sam Levine by taking the family because if Andrew Guy were to play more in singles, let's just say if that was going to happen, he's going to be starting on the lower end of things, and the lower end type of competition might suit him well to overcome those opponents and get the Ws, get your faction, your manager, that, those points. So it's not about can Andrew Guy win you a singles title. It's can he get you wins in the matchups that he could be getting if he's at the lower end of the rankings. If he's playing 18, 17, 16 seeded players, is he better than them? Can he beat them? Probably. But once you start getting to the top 10 uh, rankings, I don't think Andrew Guy is really going to have uh, I mean, he'll have a he'll have a shot for sure, but like the odds dwindle, um, and so it's like, can you get and- Sam Levine as the manager? Can you get Andrew Guy those lower ranked matches that he could probably have a very good shot at winning? So there will be some finagling, I guess, if you will, with trying to get certain matches for a player like Andrew Guy like that. But with Bibiani and Shazam, obviously the ceiling's much higher uh, with Brendan Meyer um, contending for titles in both divisions and that's huge and that's why honestly i think probably william bibiani is the number one ranked player in the draft if only because of one thing that mike kalinowski said if he got drafted by rocky stryer he would not play for her he would demand a trade he's not gonna just do that for roxy he's gonna do that for whoever drafts him until he ends up with corruption and shannon as his manager therefore his value Yes, technically you could say he's like the number one player, but by saying that stuff, you're not as valuable. You're only valuable to Shannon and not to anybody else. So in my eyes, you can't be the number one overall player uh, in the draft. You could be, I guess, number one overall in the entire league, sure. But when it comes to the draft, why would I draft you number one if you're just going to demand a trade to Shannon who's at number seven? You know, I mean that that's a good point, and and we'll get more into Mike here in a minute. But let let's go to, let's go to the number two pick now. I also want to say that uh, trades are, are on the table. Christian Harloff said also everyone needs to have eight people on their roster. It's down from ten to eight. Um, you're going to draft eight competitors, but I think that he said you need at least seven on the roster at any time. So I I don't know exactly. You know, I guess if somebody drops it was, out, is it six or seven? I thought he said six. Did he but say he six? Right. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe maybe you're right. I, I think know. it's six. I think it's six. But the, those are going to become more clear. I think you know, post draft, we're going to really understand more about that. Um, but I will say, you know, any major trades, any like pick swaps, anything like that, they need to be approved by the league uh, before they become official. Now, that is something that I've also played around with, and and I guess I, I before you get to your number two pick. Um, do you think it's possible for somebody like Tom Dagnino, who doesn't get to go into the fifth round, is it possible for him to put together some sort of package to move up in the draft other than his just pick swap? 
I mean, because here's the thing. There are going to be a lot of people who are undrafted, right? Which means the waiver wire is going to be plentiful. So you can always fill your roster with people who go undrafted. So do you trade, let's say your, say Dagnino says, hey, uh, Coy, I'll give you my fifth, sixth, and seventh round pick for your second round pick. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, would that be advantageous for somebody to do? Like, I'm just asking. I, I, I don't think so because, and and we were talking about this with Ben Bateman, you know, superstars in this league. There's not, in comparison to the NBA, like, there's actually not that many in, in the showdown where you're like, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm getting some guaranteed wins here or I'm getting a guaranteed contender at a title. Uh, once you get past, like, round, uh, let's see, according, I've done, like, a mock draft of, like, the first four rounds. Um once you get past round three, you're looking for in terms of proven players, right? In terms of proven players, that list evaporates right. after the third round. In terms of proven players, people that have that have played before. I, I can't comment on incoming rookies who have never played, um, even if they played in the families, um, because coming into the showdown, different animal than playing matches over Skype. It just is, and uh, so. I'm not going to talk about those fan leaguers or other rookies that put their name in the hat uh, or put their name on the list to be incoming rookies who've never played in front of a studio audience before. Um, just completely different animal compared to whatever they may have been doing or not doing at all. So, uh, like I said, though third after the third round, it's going to be interesting to see who who managers pick because, like I said, proven players at the after that point. It dries up real quick, and now you're looking at players may who may have played before, but they've played like one or two matches over the course of the past three years, and so sample size is very small. Not really sure what they're capable of. So in that case, if you're a manager, then you got to do some homework on those quote unquote lower ranked uh, players, if you will. But that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I mean that's a whole other thing. So you're saying that it wouldn't be? Do you you don't think that 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 that, that Tom? You know, knowing how great he is at maneuvering the system, you call him the Pat Riley of the movie trivia showdown. You don't think that he could figure out a way to go earlier than the fifth round? I don't know why anyone would want to help Tom. I don't know why, because he already has everything. And the thing is, he can't trade any individual players. Not that he would, because they're all protected teams. All four of his players right. are in protected. Well, they're tied team. together, exactly. Yeah. yeah, he couldn't like. Okay, yeah, like, Riley's the only one who doesn't have a belt. It's not like he can. Chef Riley somewhere. And, th- and that's what I was thinking about, you know, and, and it's no disrespect to Mark Riley, but I'm thinking, okay, out, out of out of your you know roster that you have, who's the most tradable guy and who could you get the most value out of? Um, and that would be Mark Riley. But if you trade Mark Riley, you trade Ben Bateman, who's a singles champion and just went on this epic run. So, I mean, he's 10 and 5 now after starting out 5 and 5 before the tournament. So, I mean, this is a guy who was a 500 player who's now well above that. And and you don't want to lose him either. So it is weird. I just wanted to know if anyone was going to – if you think that anyone would try anything like that. Maybe not even with Dagnino. Maybe uh, with Kaiser. I don't know. I just – I always love the idea of trading picks. I come from Houston, Texas, where Daryl Morey is the general manager of the Houston Rockets, (laughs) and he's always trading uh, draft picks for talent and for trying to move up in the draft. So I kind of – I think more like Daryl Morey. Yeah, yeah. I think trading picks would be great, but it's it's not like you're adding – to an established roster, these these managers they don't have established rosters. The only one who does is Dagnino. Dagnino. That's why I you was know? thinking about him. So trading it's like, him. yeah, but even still, it's just you know, I don't know. It, it's hard to trade a pick because now, without knowing where people are gonna who they want to take, and you would have to know all this. I don't know. It's it's. I just, now I let me ask you this. Yeah. Let me ask yeah. you this. And this is where it really gets complicated. And I don't want to talk over anybody's head here, but. In the NBA, in you know the, the NBA is where I where I focus on because I, I you know I cover the NBA. I'm, I'm rather knowledgeable. You know the salary caps, right? Mm-hmm. You can't go over a salary cap, and, and and they do that to try to prevent buying a super team. You know, similar to the New York Yankees. Suck it, Christian. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, I think he's doing just fine. <laughs> I think he's doing great, uh, Garrett yeah. Cole. I mean, he lost Didi Gregoria, so I mean, I'm a little bit happy about that. But you lost. I mean, you got Garrett Cole from the Houston Astros, so you know, once again. Suck it, Christian. But should there be value assigned to players and a salary cap-esque 
figure figured out for these teams. That way you can make it fair for everybody in the league. No, because uh, I, I like that, that idea of it, yes. But you can't until we're actually paying people – well, I'm not talking about payment. But have you ever no, seen? Because, have you ever seen? Well, real quick, real quick. Have you ever seen yeah. on Twitter where it's like, "Hey, pick your all-time roster," and it's like these guys are all worth five points. These guys are worth four points. Three, two, one, and you can only spend ten or whatever it is. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I guess you could figure out a way, but it's just who is going to add value to players, and then. You got to figure out the amount in which a manager has, you know, and I know, but it would not make it more compelling. And I'm thinking about a sport. It would be very interesting, but uh, that'd be cool to to implement if we could. But the other issue is um, scheduling. Mm -hmm. You you just don't know if you draft somebody. You just don't know if they're going to play. They they may play one match. They may play zero. So it's like, are you going to waste? "Quote unquote," salary cap space on a player that may never play, even though the promise of them is high. So, people do it all the time. Look at Kevin Durant, <laughs> for sure. But that, in terms of this game, though, it's like, yeah, no, I get it, I get it, I get it. Um, yeah. Okay, so so now with all that out of the way, let's go to your number two. So, Jay Washington, uh, Heroes and Villains, going number two. Who do you got? Uh, I think he's villains and heroes. Oh, I'm sorry, no. villains and heroes. I keep saying uh, heroes and villains. Sorry. You know. Uh, anyway, so his. This is the other thing. Um, are managers going to go after those that have already, they've already managed for a while? Is Jay going to take the team of Ethan Irwin and Janine? Are they protected? They are not a protected team, top five protected team, but they are quote unquote semi protected. So. Jay has the option of taking the other teammate. You know, if he drafts Ethan first, then he has the option of taking Janine, you know, vice okay. versa that way. So, and with all respect to Janine, you would take Ethan Irwin. He's a former singles champion. He's right. gone on runs. Um, so I would assume Jay may go after uh, someone like Ethan Irwin. And then to not take... Janine along with Ethan Irwin, who I think is a great team. They have great problems. I mean, they played a really great game against Looney Bin and just came up short. It's just one of those things. I don't think it's indicative of uh, of a of a future that is that is that is dismal. I don't think that's a sign of that. So I don't see why he would not also take Janine in conjunction with Ethan. In total, I don't think I don't see why he wouldn't take Time Machine. They have a great promise. But if Sam Levine is going to take Let's say the family and Shazam is still on the board. How do you patch up Shazam? Shazam, right? Like, so that's the other thing. Are these players going to like take their friends, take their the players that they've been managing before, or are they going to because egos are involved here, friendships are involved here? It's it can get very messy if you decide to to not draft somebody that that you've been managing for a while and you have the capability to take them even though they may not have played the best last year i don't want to be jay washington in this spot because he's got to choose between possibly shazam he he has he's got the pick of the litter at number two i mean or does he go with people that he's been rolling with ethan and janine for the past couple years so i guess you would say he's i i have him taking Time Machine, Ethan Irwin slash Janine in his first and second round picks, uh, just because yeah. it's it gets can get very messy here. Well, no, and, and and I think it's a smart pick. Now, I think that he definitely takes Time Machine. Uh, it makes sense for him. He's already comfortable working with them. However, mm-hmm. and I and I don't mean to disrespect anybody, but I think Janine the Machine would greatly benefit under different management. Janine's, I do too. Janine's been there. She's been so close so many times. And I think that, yeah. you know, especially on this show this year, I've really trumpeted Janine. And I, I really think that she could be the next level player. She just needs better coaching. That's just my opinion. I just think that she needs better coaching. Can you imagine Janine the machine under the expert tutelage of a Sam Levine? Or, That's uh, what I was just oh, thinking. Yeah. Or, or even a Roxy. Under even some, uh, Roxy would be great, too. I mean, Janine goes well with, I think, with 
almost anybody in the league, but specifically, yes, player or managers like Sam or Roxy or, you know, let's say, I mean, she's not going to fall into Dagnino in round five, but like even someone like that, you know, or if she gets into a a situation of faction with some, some very experienced, you know, players, um, that could be great for Janine. And I'd be super excited to see that, but players like Koi or managers like Koi or Winston, um, no offense towards them, they're kind of they're very fresh still, you know. And I don't think it would it would service Janine uh, to help get her reach her maximum potential. But yeah. uh, I don't. Know. We'll see. Well, well, for Jay Washington, like I said, I, I have Ethan Irwin uh, and Janine the Machine as well. So let let's go to. I want to go on my number three pick first because yeah. for Roxy, because uh, it was yesterday. I was on the phone with Christian Harloff. We were talking about the draft. And then Ben Bateman calls. And so now we're on like this three-way call talking about the draft. <laughs> and then while I'm on this three-way call with Ben Bateman and Christian Harloff, Roxy Stryer calls. And now all four of us are on the phone talking about the draft. Really? All at the this same time, shit. yes. Now, Roxy was told on the phone that you know she got the number three pick. She was very excited about it. She knew prior. Um, and she and she said this was okay to share. And Christian, uh, you know, made sure to make note that I would share it. So this is just phenomenal. So she, um, Roxy Stryer, says to that she texts Mark Andreco and Jeff Snyder, you know, the odd couple, and says, "Hey guys, mm-hmm. look, guess what? I got the third overall pick. Uh, I'm going to be able to take y'all. You know, we're in the we're in the clear. We're we're looking good." And Jeff Snyder responds by saying, "Remember, she has the third pick." Yeah. Right. Third overall pick. And Jeff Snyder responds by saying, that's if we're still on the board. <laughs> <laughs> hey, which is the most I Jeff like Snyder it. thing. I and, like and, it. and I was given permission to share the story. So I'm not speaking out of turn. Uh, so, so no one get hot. Don't shoot the messenger. But I do love that Jeff Snyder. And here's the thing. Jeff Snyder's the greatest team player of all time. Individual team player of all time. If that makes sense. And uh, and and he's he's he was right there at the precipice, if not for Harry Potter, of winning the singles championship this year. He should go high on the draft, no doubt about it. But when I look at Sam and Jay, I'm pretty sure I know who they're picking. So the highest that Jeff Snyder or Mark Andreco could go is number three. That's the highest they could go in my at least in my mind. So it's just great that Jeff Snyder was like, if we're still on the board. You know, it's just just so Jeff Snydery, and I love it. I love Jeff Snyder. So Roxy and the Rock Stars, I definitely picked. They're gonna pick. The, she's gonna pick the odd couple. I'm assuming, right, right. Uh, and I think everyone's assuming so, uh, at number three. Here's the thing, too, is I don't think Sam is really too interested in playing games on draft day. Jay, I could see him trying to muddy the waters a little bit. Now, let's say he goes, look. This is a whole new era. Let's. I got to pick right before Roxy. Look, let me take the odd couple. Let's see who else she drafts later on in the, in the in the you know this draft. Let's see who else she gets. And look, I know she wants her boys real bad. I can really, you know, pillage you know her her fashion if she really wants the odd couple. You know, I can get. You know, she's take two players. Well, I'm gonna need three players or four players back. You know, he could do it. It's if, interesting that you bring this up. You know, because you're kind of getting me to a point that I that I was gonna make. You know, in my next round. Now, I'm assuming right now you have the odd couple going to rocks the yes. rock stars, right? Okay. Yeah. So Coy Jandrew is in a really. I think he's in a more interesting spot uh, than even Jay. Because you talked about the number one player, yeah. Draft. Oh yeah. I think Koi Jandrew. Koi, I'm talking to you right now. You need to go up on that draft stage January the 11th at the world famous Comedy Store, and with your first round pick, you need to draft Mike Kalinowski. Because when you draft Mike Kalinowski, he's already made it clear. He wants to be on a different team. Who knows? I mean, yeah. Roxy wants her boys. You know, Jay might switch things up, but you know, I mean, maybe Roxy goes, "Okay, I'll take Ethan and Janine." You know what? I- I'll work with them. 
you know, I'm not, I'm not married to them. You know, I'm not married to the odd couple. We, we, we can make maneuvers. And the odd couple haven't said, hey, I'm not playing for any other team. Not like Mike Kalinowski, who says, I'm not playing for any other team except for Shannon's team, which is corruption. So if I'm Coy John Drew, you know, Kaiser is picking after me and Dagnino, but not in the first round. I'm taking Mike Kalinowski. And then I'm seeing who Shannon gets, which by my draft board is either going to be the family or Paul Oyama. Yeah. And I'm trading around. I'm going to make some moves. You know what I mean? And then um and and, and I'm going to get and, and and I talked to Christian and Ben actually about this you know, a little bit. This was you know my what what I was thinking I would do if I were Coy John Drew. And that's what I love. I love talking to Christian and especially Ben and and and, and you because we're all so deep into this and mm-hmm. now that this is draft time I'm just thinking about all these possibilities and it's driving me crazy. But I likened it to the Anthony Davis trade. Uh, in the offseason between the Los Angeles Lakers and the New Orleans Pelicans. The, the New Orleans Pelicans knew from the start of the season Anthony Davis wanted to be in Los Angeles. He wanted to go play with the Lakers and LeBron James. He knew that. They all knew this. So what did the New Orleans Pelicans do? They said, okay, you want to go? We're going to make L.A. pay for it. And they got the haul of a lifetime. They got picks. They got rookie talent. They got Everything that they possibly could, they bled, you know, the Lakers as much as they possibly could, and it was one of the longest trade announcements I've ever heard. It's like the Lakers <laughs> receive Anthony Davis, the Pelicans <laughs> receive right. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, seventy-five picks in the next twenty-three <laughs> right. drafts. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I think that Coy John Drew, more than anybody, is in position to draft Mike Kalinowski and then immediately start working that night to find a trade partner. You know, and I mean try try to find trade value with Shannon because she's going to want him. And that's the thing. That's the thing about being so out there with who you're going to want to pick who's not protected is everyone I, I at least I would target them and say she takes the family. Okay, I'll flip you know, Mike Kalinowski for Drew McQueen and Andrew Guy. I think that's pretty good and maybe you're going to give me also your third round pick. You know, or your second round pick for it. You know what I mean? Like, or, or I guess it'd have to be the third round. So yeah, give me the family and your third round pick. I'll make that. Or oh, Paul Oyama, you drafted him. I'll do a one to one for for Paul Oyama, Mike Kalinowski. Oh, you know what? And actually, throw in your second round pick and your well, and your third round pick. I remember, Kalinowski and Chance, they're protected. So that's two oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. Thank you for clarifying. So I I would, but still, even then. Even then, um, I, I would I would draft you know Mike Kalinowski and Chance Ellison, and once again I would try to flip them for whatever I could possibly get, and I might just wait until they're all done. You know what I mean? Like till the whole draft's done, and then say, "All right, Shannon, give me half of your roster." <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And then when you're so, coy, you can get the cream of the crop and then trim out the fat. I was thinking about this. I'm like, I don't know if it's worth the headache to tell you the truth. Don't know if it's worth the headache because the roster is at, – at the time I said I – made, I made a post on Facebook about – Kalinowski was like, he's not going to play for whoever uh, or for Roxy, whatever. I was like, fine, just let him sit on the bench. Let him play – let him not play the entire year. You know, Don't give in to his demand. That was when the roster was at 10 spots. The roster is now dropped to eight. So that right. makes things a little bit more interesting in terms of – the kind of power that a player could have in terms of trade. Because 10, 10 spots, that means you have at least, at, at, the, at the minimum, seven other players to manage and play, and, you know, and then you just wait for someone to give up some monster players for the Mike Kalinowski-Chance-Allison uh, combo. You know? uh, but with the roster dropping down to eight slots now, it's... And given the spot that you would be in to take corruption, I just don't know if it's worth the headache because you only have eight slots more than, and you're going to fill what he's going to fill five or six on draft day, right? So, what is there really to kind of bargain with, like to get two other players to fill up your eighth, your seventh and eighth spot, maybe? But I, I, I don't, no, I don't know. I mean, I, I would take, I would take. Here's the thing. Well, because when you're well, coy, you you now I got coy drafting. Okay, 
in the, my draft board, I have Koi taking Shazam. Okay. So it's like, why are you going to mess around with that? And then, you know, Smets, or I'm sorry, Kaiser, who's going to have Smets, and Dagnino, who will have, who, who's set till the fifth round. They're before Shannon, but after Koi. So Shannon's right after Koi. So it's like, given the fact that we, th- I think, you know, Sam, Jay, and Roxy are all going to take who they're loyal to, have been rolling with. Um, they're going to take those people that's not corruption. So I still think corruption is going to fall to Shannon at the seventh spot, which is really more like the fifth spot. I mean, I see your logic, but but here's my thing: is Coy John Drew could have the opportunity of instead of having you know. You know, a you know, pick in each round. You know, say mm-hmm. like you know, I mean, with your top half being better than your bottom half, right? So picks one through four are going to be conceivably better than picks five through eight, right? They're going to be more valuable. Yeah. So what Coy, what Coy could do is, I mean, he could literally be like, "All right, Shannon, like I'm going to trade you Mike and Chance and my last two draft picks for your top four draft picks." You see what I'm saying? And then you can have a better, more well-rounded roster, in my opinion. I mean, I, I think that that's at least a, a, an so, option worth exploring. Uh, yeah, but the other thing that I'm thinking of is Mike Kalinowski, you know, corruption is round one talent, right? Mm-hmm. You need to get back round one talent. Well, well, that's for what I'm sure. Saying. You know, but but why are you gonna? But Koi already has access to that talent that he would kind of, I think, already be trading for. So why go through that whole process? Because once because you get you to round get one through three four and talent. four, like, yeah, but look, I think he's also going to have access to rounds three and four, and he's going to be ahead of Shannon anyways. I know, but but essentially you're getting her he picks and your picks. Yeah, he'll be ahead of, of Shannon in round four or round three. So it's like... He's then trading for less than his pick for one of Shannon's higher picks that would be – well, I guess it depends what Shannon would do in terms of sticking around one. I don't – yeah. Because here's the thing. Yeah. If she takes the family in round one, which is what I have her taking, if you know corruption is already drafted or Mike Kalinowski and Chance Ellison, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Like that's a good one-to-one trade. Now if I'm Coy Jandrew, I, I tell her, look, we can make this trade right now after round one that I get – your rounds three and four picks for my rounds seven and eight. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So now he gets two picks in a row. You know what I mean? Like like he's got a better opportunity to draft a better roster. So that's why I think it's worth the headache. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I, got, I, got, like, I haven't really thought, thought too much in terms of uh, draft and trades and all those different kinds of scenarios. I've been in a 27-hour Star no, Wars I hear you. Time. So look, look, look. We, we <laughs> got like, to get, get through this. Theater. We got to get through this because I have a hard out. So this is how I see my 8, 9, and 10 going. And then you tell me what yours are because I I might be a little crazy. So if Shannon takes the family at at number 7, which I think is possible, right? Um, That means Paul Oyama, the 6-1 former champion of the world, falls to the 8th pick in the draft. And I think he goes to swag. I think Winston picks up Paul Oyama. And then uh, I think Emma picks up Tom. I think yeah. Tom is going in the first round, and I think that she picks Tom and takes Video Drew. I do. I think that she takes them both. And then that leaves Robert Meyer Burnett with the 10th pick, and this is a weird one because there, there are some names left on the board that I'm interested in, including a champion and Alex Damon. And then you're like, okay, well, how often is he going to play? How much is his points going to matter? Is he only going to defend the title three times a year? Like, is he worth a first-round pick? I know he's a champion, but is he worth the investment? And what's great about Robert Meyer Burnett is he has the number 10 pick, but he also has the number 11 pick. So he can double dip here. And so what I actually have him doing is taking Alex Damon and then coming back in round two and taking Mark Hanopic because he's setting himself up to get two potential champions um, in his roster because Mark Hanopic has a guaranteed shot. So that's how I have essentially my whole first round in the beginning of the second round going. So how do you have uh, eight through 10? So... I have, uh, so I, yeah, I have Shannon taking, get, or Corruption falling to Shannon. But then after that, I do have Holoyama going with Winston mm-hmm. at that point. Um, this one, I kind of went back and forth between Emma taking 
Tom, you know, the Looney Bin, or taking Crimson Fury. Crimson Fury aligns a lot more with the motives and the and the visuals of the Five Club. Now that Grace Hancock's there, Emma, um, so it aligns that way. But the smart play here would be to take the Looney Bin with Tom and, and Video Drew. So I'm kind of mixed on that. With Robert Meyer Burnett, I have him taking Paul Preston mm. at number at number ten, and then he could take Alon Harris for mm. his very next pick. And now you got that team of Paul Preston and Alon Harris, which I think can do a lot of damage. Now, however, I do like the prospect of Robert Meyer Burnett taking a Mark Anopic with his first pick, and then taking a duo with his second round, his first second round pick, because now he's clear until the fourth round. Mm. He's going to, he can like, he's not, he's actually in a pretty great spot at number 10. Everyone laughs. He got the last pick. He's actually probably in the best spot of all for the way this draft is working. Because if let's say aside from the number one pick, I, I kind of, I somewhat agree with you just with the possibilities that he has. Because t- since it is a snake draft, yeah. he gets to go right after his t- after his first pick. So he takes um, Mark Anopic at ten, and let's and let's say then he could take he could take a, a strong team like uh, Paddington two. He could mm-hmm. take we could even take Crimson Fury, or he could take like if Crimson Fury, Looney Bin, and Paddington two, they might so one of them could be available for his first pick in that second that second round. He could take any one of them, and, and it, he will be clear until that fourth round which is when things get a little dried up at that point so he won't have to worry about figuring out round three i think that's exactly what he's got to do i think that that's really smart i think that's really smart i like yours more than i like mine but i still think that alex damon so where does alex damon go somewhere in the second round i mean i, I mean i know that he doesn't he's not going to play Honestly, as often but emma emma should pro emma could probably take alex damon in the first round with her first pick and because she'll have the second pick in the second round, then she mm. goes after one of those bin. Crimson Fury, a Looney Bin, or a Panton too. One of those three mm. could be available to her. It's a good idea. It just, but Robert Meyer Burnett is in the driver's seat in terms of how that know, can play out. Emma could then also just take Mara Kanopic. I think Emma and Robert Meyer Burnett are in probably the best spots right now because they're going to have their, their pick of taking potential champions with their first pick that are just solo acts. Right now, and then in round two, picking up, up a duo, uh, a protected team, a semi-protected team with their first pick in the second round. Now, Sam Levine pick. has to take a team with his first pick. He can't take he an individual player to. because yeah, he's he not. Just, that means he wouldn't pick again till the twentieth pick, and yeah. that's just silly. So he needs to get the first pick in the third round by drafting a team. So th- there's a lot of possibilities, man. Now, give, give yeah, me this, Frank Janish. Now, I. Uh, picked three players who I think in in uh, teams intergeeked. I mean, I'm sorry, who could be effective in singles and teams, intergeeked them, and then Star Wars. I I picked just three to the side who are going to be my three people you need to watch out for in the draft because I think they're okay. good pickups. So someone who can be good in singles and teams, we've already talked about him. I think Paul Preston is a really interesting pick for anybody in the draft. He's somebody yeah. that you should watch out for. I think he's going to go high in the second round. Now, as far as inner geekdom division goes you're going to go on inner geekdom is going to be there's going to be a lot of of people vying for that inner geekdom championship but only a few people who can potentially take it off kevin smets that's why i think chandru is a really great pick for somebody if you can get him early in the second round he's a good addition to round out your team for inner geekdom and as far as star wars goes now i know alex damon uh is phenomenal so you've got to find somebody who has at least the knowledge to try to combat with him We've seen what guys like, you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, man, the Sam Whitworth game. Like, man, you know, Sam Whitworth, that would be great. But guess what? There's a guy who came within one second of beating Sam Whitworth, and he's back in the league. That's Ken Knapsack. I think Ken Knapsack, if you're looking for a Star Wars player who isn't Alex Damon or Laura Kelly, Ken Knapsack is also a guy who has other movie knowledge who might be great if you pair him up. Now, here's the thing. Ken Napsok isn't going to be the best player on a championship team, but he can be the second best player on a championship team. Do you know what I mean? And I think that um, if Ken is even paired up with the right person, think about this. I think that a Ken Napsok, Paul Preston team could be good. I really do. 
And I think that his versatility makes him a good pickup for somebody in the sec- mid to late second round. So those are my three people that I would look out for uh, after this first round of action. Who are three people who come to your mind, Frank? Ooh, um, well, in terms, yeah, I mean, I think for singles, yeah, it's uh, Paul Preston immediately comes mm-hmm. to my mind for sure. Uh, Inner Geekdom, uh, I think, I think Brandon Hanna for Inner oh, Geekdom. Yeah. That's I a good think one. he is immensely pissed off about losing to Chandru. I mean, any, any, look, just look at the Facebook group. Any chance he gets to like uh, pop one off on Chandru, I mean, he's taking that shot. And yeah. it's pretty funny. Um, so I think when you get that kind of motivation behind you, um, for Brandon Hanna in terms of I need to put Chandru in this place because Brandon Hanna feels like he's much better than Chandru. And it just was one of those questions, one of those days where he kind of just went in favor of Chandru. I like that kind of motivation that's that's feeling Brandon Hanna because with Chandru, I think he might be feeling himself a little too much. I like it. Right. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's how you handle it. So, but it's not a, if you take Chandru before Hannah, I'm not going to like begrudge you. You take him before Chandru, like, I don't think there's really that much. Chandru's proven he's really good. And I think Brandon Hannah's proven he's really good. It was just, you know, sure, he lost to Chandru, but he also did beat him prior to that. So it's not like it's inconceivable that he, Brandon couldn't beat Chandru. Anyways, beyond that, um, uh, it'd be, I'm really interested though. Damn, I don't know. In terms of, we're talking about teams now? Yeah, I mean, just some, just three, three uh, players uh, three that you people? think are, are yeah. people you need to watch out for. I think, uh, hold on. So Brandon Hanna, I agree with you there. Paul Preston, I, you know, obviously we both agree on that one. And then who's another, who's another someone who you think is a hidden gem in the draft? Who oh. we've seen before? Haley Fouch. Oh. Mm. Haley Fouch. I would like to see her end up with the Fife Club. Okay. Given the way that Emma has worked with Rachel and Clark before, to the heights that they reached, um, Emma's very knowledgeable. Grace Hancock um, is a great – someone that can really go to bet for you. I mean, she has – the way she talks to managers and other players in her promos and just the little side – you know, sidebars that you might see, you know, happen during a match. I mean, it's devastating the words she throws at people sometimes. You're just, I'm just like, God, I don't even know how you come back from that. It's just brutal. It is good. She's very good. Um, Okay. You get that kind of support around Haley Fouch. I I like it a lot. I dig that. Okay. Last thing, last thing that I want to run by you. And then maybe we can do, um, we can talk more draft as rules become clear and, and, and things become, uh, more you know solidified as as far as the pool of players and and who we think can go where maybe we'll talk about that in our awards preview but um Ben Bateman floated a trade on backstage and I just want to get your immediate reaction to it yeah what was it again he floated trading get this Dan Merle and John Roca straight up for Kevin Smets I think that that's a wild proposition hmm. Because he has that much faith in himself and Riley for teams, because he's got singles wrapped up. But Merle is also playing in Intergeekdom, so that's saying mm-hmm. you don't think Merle, Merle can win Intergeekdom, right? Yeah. Which it's a tall order in your first year of Intergeekdom play. Grant, I mean, I don't think that's not a knock on Merle. That's just you know how tough Intergeekdom can be. It's Wow, is he really Smets worse? I don't know if he is, and, and that's no disrespect to Smets. Maybe a one-to-one trade like Roka for Smets, well, Dan for Smets. Like I could at least justify it, but both of them for Smets, I can't justify, especially because he's intergeeked him, and we don't know what he can do outside of it. Now, um, not only that, but he's already champion. If I knew right. he had a long road, if he was going to play like four matches for sure, and then get a shot at the title, I, it's much easier to swallow. But because Smets. I was ready to champ, and he's going to defend for sure already at New York to start off the year. He'll, if he wins that one, he probably won't defend till Collision. If he wins that one, probably won't defend until somewhere in between that time and Spectacular, and then there's Spectacular. So what, that was how many times? Five? Mm-hmm. Four defense, right? And if you were to win all of them, and you look at, so like a minimum of five points, you add in the bonus points for title matches, 
I mean, he's looking at another like twenty point year, which is phenomenal. So yeah, maybe, but it's like no, that's I don't crazy. know. It's crazy. I, it's I think it's crazy. Um, I mean, yeah, wow. But we'll leave you. We'll leave you all with that one to chew on. Uh, y'all follow everybody. Follow Frank Janish at FrankieJ29 on Twitter. And you can follow me at Brad Gilmore on all social media. Make sure you check out our SD Rundown accounts and the SD Rundown Facebook page. And don't forget to check out the cheat sheet with Frank Janish. Um, it's, it's, it's a, very, on a bit of a break, actually. It's on it's a break. It's on hiatus, but it's coming back soon. And so uh, you're going to be checking out the cheat sheet as well. We're going to be back here probably next week. Stay tuned to our Twitters. We'll announce exactly when we're going to be coming back. I think it's next week to talk about the awards and the nominations and everything. And uh, maybe more draft stuff. So until then, he's Frank Janish. I'm Brad Gilmore. And we'll see you next week on the Showdown Run.